Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. Hello and welcome back to Keepers of the Flame podcast. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number 26. Ticked off, but grateful. How does that actually work? In honor of Thanksgiving, I thought this would be a fitting topic for today's episode. If you keep hearing people say, count your blessings, or what are you thankful for, because it's that time of year, and you find yourself boiling with frustration on the inside, going, but I'm not grateful for cancer. What is there to be grateful for? Well, then this is an episode for you. Also, I'm going to pass on to you a little secret. You see, I have written, I've written a manuscript, and it's called Finding Courage, I haven't gotten it published yet. That's got another day, another time. Right now, I'm just focused on getting these podcasts out for y'all to hear. At any rate, I call it Finding Courage because I have come to find out that we all own courage. It's all nestled inside of us. We just have to uncover it bit by bit. I know that when I was diagnosed, people would tell me, Oh, Joyce, you're so brave. Um, no. No, I was not. Or I would hear people say, you're fearless. <laughs> no, I was fearful. I was full of fear. I was not without it. I owned fear. We were good buddies, fear and I. But I liked courage instead. Because courage, again, means that you move forward with what you know needs to be done, despite being afraid. I used to look at other people and admire them for their courage and never once thought that I had an ounce of my own. But I soon recognized that courage is something that can belong to every single one of us. We have it. It's inside. And I imagined it being like a giant puzzle. When you're putting together a puzzle, you don't necessarily see the full picture of what that landscape's of. But when you put a puzzle piece next to another puzzle piece next to another, you slowly start to see, oh, This is what it's showing me. This is what this picture is. Courage is the same way. I find these little nuggets of courage and I uncover them within me piece by piece. And when I put them all together, I can see the whole picture. I do have courage. And that's something that in my manuscript I kind of worked to uncover. I use my own journey through cancer. And at the end of each chapter with that, I unmask one little nugget of courage. What is this little puzzle piece and how can it relate to you and what you need to uncover your own courage? And going along with being grateful, I'm going to share with you an element of my manuscript, Finding Courage, and one of those little puzzle pieces. In the manuscript, there are 36 tokens, 36 little puzzle pieces that when you combine them, you have courage. So now you just have to sift through inside of you and uncover these one at a time. And today, I'm gonna help you guys find one of those puzzle pieces of your own. So as you're prepping the turkey or making the stuffing or the mashed potatoes or any of those yumminess, 
And people are having this conversation around you of the things that they're thankful for. And even if you might get a little pissed off about cancer, that's okay. Even if you're irritated at the diagnosis or those painful and difficult treatments that often accompany it, this is an episode that will help you find what does it mean to be grateful even though I'm ticked off. So to get started with that, I'm going to read you an excerpt from my manuscript, Finding Courage. This is chapter three. It's real now. This is when I have found out that I have cancer and I'm going in to sit with the doctor to find out what does that mean? What kind of cancers and what am I supposed to do about it? So this is chapter three. It's real now. Brian and I met with the breast surgeon on the 28th of June, 2017, to review my biopsy results in detail. Not that this news wasn't real before, but something about being gifted a bright orange two-inch binder stamped with Cancer Institute filled with copious amounts of cancer information and material, most of which was tailored to my situation, just cemented the reality and gravity of it all. The anxiety building while waiting for the doctor to arrive, coupled with that orange binder resting on the countertop, were like weights pinning us somewhere between denial and fear. I, of course, cried, and Brian got angry. I hated this exam room. We conversed with the doctor for nearly two hours. She gave us the details on my type of breast cancer, as well as our treatment options, and we, of course, had numerous questions, too. She told us that I had something called invasive ductal carcinoma. This was cancer that originated inside the milk ducts, but had breached the wall of the duct and started to eat through normal breast tissue. Great. It was the story of the great cancer escape. My body was writing its own damn book and didn't bother to consult me. She told us that the tumor was estrogen and progesterone positive. In other words, those hormones fed it. Wait a second, did birth control feed it? Was my own body killing me by whipping up hormone food for cancer cells? The doctor, however, reassured me that this was good because it meant that it would respond well to treatment. I was also HER2 negative, which to be perfectly honest, I had no idea what exactly that translated to at this time. It refers to a protein that the cancer produces and treatment differs based off of the presence of HER2. However, at this moment, I didn't really care. I couldn't unhear the word cancer. It was on a continuous loop playing in my head over and over again, and I struggled hearing anything else. You have cancer. People die of cancer. You need surgery to remove the cancer. Cancer, cancer, cancer. Cancer. Orange binder about your cancer. People die of cancer. Did I say that? You have cancer. All my brain could filter at that time was the word cancer. So when I heard that estrogen and progesterone positive cancers could be more easily treated, I kind of stopped listening. I still couldn't smudge out and erase that cancer word. I was still hung up on those six little letters. Cancer. I had three masses in my right breast, of which only one was biopsied. It was 1.2 centimeters in size, about the size of a pea. My cancer was currently described as stage one, although they also gave the cells a grade based off of how crazy their nuclei looked in comparison to normal breast cells. 
Mine was a two to three score, which meant that they were pretty freaky wonky looking. Fan freaking tastic. The mutant cells had escaped and God only knew where they were traveling. Positive versus negative? I didn't give a damn. Get it the fuck out of me. This, communicated with much more compassion and class, was more or less the treatment plan. I needed surgery, and relatively soon. Having either a lumpectomy or a mastectomy was discussed. However, there was no way she would have been able to remove all three masses and have much of a breast left. Moreover, I had the BRCA2 mutation, and the little shithead cancer cells proved themselves worthy of this gene's reputation. With all things considered... A lumpectomy was not an option for me. They would have to remove the entire breast, nipple included, since the cancer was too close to leave a safe enough margin. The only choice to be made was whether or not they'd take both of my breasts or just the one. When I asked what the likelihood of my left breast having or getting cancer too was, I was told that the chances of me having it were low unless a low-grade DCIS but my chances of getting it were still at 84%. Thank you, BRCA2 mutation. The doctor said that they'd also perform a sentinel node biopsy during surgery. This meant they'd inject a radioactive dye to ascertain which lymph nodes were in jeopardy. Then she'd remove those nodes during surgery and have them biopsied as well. I knew it was bad if the cells reached the lymph nodes, so yes, please check and make sure that they didn't get to that train station and hop a ride to some unknown destination in my body, brain, liver, bone, ovaries, whatever, cut it the fuck out, and get it before they decided to travel. She reviewed over parts of the surgery, my hospital stay, and my recovery. She also referred me to a plastic surgeon. The two surgeons would coordinate their surgery times and operate under the same anesthesia. She would go first and remove the tissue, and then the plastic surgeon would follow and insert the expanders, place the drains, and stitch me up. We went ahead and scheduled a consultation with the plastic surgeon. Brian was being thorough, even though I had already jumped on the cut-it-out-of-me wagon, and he asked what my prognosis was if we did nothing. The doctor stared at us and paused. I could see the wheels turning. She was compassionate and kind and was trying to figure out a way to communicate her response that was both tender and truthful. She handled it well. There's just no good way to hear that cancer is growing inside of you. No matter what, it just royally sucks. I already knew the answer anyway. She didn't have to answer. Death, I had said to myself, doing nothing would certainly kill me. And that wasn't an option that I was willing to take. Lessons learned. Sometimes in life, our greatest nightmares tend to haunt us and cripple us with fear. They find a way to creep into the safety of our room and bind our hands and feet until we feel hopeless or angry or overcome with grief. Now, I'm not saying that these emotions don't have their place. I'll get to that in a few chapters. Nor am I saying that I think that tragedies and traumas are part of the everything happens for a reason motto. No. However, what I am saying is that when life does hit us hard, and it will, after taking a moment to inhale and exhale, take a second moment to be grateful. No, you do not need to be grateful that a loved one died, that you lost your job, had a trauma unfold in front of you, 
or were diagnosed with a deadly disease. Be grateful in times like these, not that it happened, but for what else you actually have. This helps to nurture hope. Me, for example, I traced my gratefulness all the way back to ninth grade biology. You see, I hated science with a passion. I wanted nothing to do with it. Then as fate or luck or a higher power or whatever you want to call it happened, I was placed in a biology class with one of the most amazing teachers of all times. Y'all, this woman took a kid who hated science, and I mean hated science, and flipped things around so much for her that when that kid left her class at the end of the year, she not only loved science, but swore she'd become a biology major herself. And I did. I am not grateful for my cancer. Hell no. I am, however, grateful for my biology teacher. I'm grateful that I loved science, specifically biology, so much that I majored in it. I'm grateful for my passion for teaching. I'm grateful that I became a biology teacher myself. I'm grateful that I taught genetics, that I knew enough about these genetic mutations, and that I knew enough to ask. I'm grateful that my OBGYN had a questionnaire about hereditary cancers the day that I went in. I'm grateful that we did the screenings, that I fell into the care of the doctors that I did when and how I did. And I'm grateful that we found my cancer early because of it all. I'm grateful for having started therapy when I did, for being home with my family when I found out I had cancer, for having a supportive husband, and for having my children when I did. You see, finding ways to be grateful in the midst of something so horrible does not mean that you appreciate the thing that was horrible, but being grateful for the things along the way or in the events that follow is the third token to finding courage. You see, gratefulness and hope take courage, and when you actively look for them, you're undeniably cultivating the growth of more courage. There you have it, folks. One little puzzle piece, one little nugget in finding courage. And that, again, does not mean that you have to be grateful for the thing in your life that is so horrible, that's making you ticked off and angry. Instead, what's surrounding that are you grateful for, both in that moment and in the events that follow? So, okay, I'm two years out now. What events that have followed? What in my here and now am I grateful for? Still not grateful for cancer. And again, if somebody gave me that opportunity for a do-over, I would say, keep that shit the hell away from me. I would not want to redo that journey, and I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But seeing how I can't do that, what then surrounding this obstacle, surrounding this adversity, can I find courage? Where can I find those elements that I'm grateful for? Well, here's one. This, folks, right here today, this is episode number 26. That means that 26 weeks in a row, I've been able to roll out a new episode, a new podcast episode for you guys to hear. That's half a year. 52 weeks in a year, folks. Divide that by two. That's 26 That's today. I am very grateful for that. 
I am grateful for this opportunity to be able to put information out there to try to help that next individual weather their own storms. I don't know if a thousand people are going to hear my message. I hope they do because, you know, a girl loves to talk for one. But more importantly, I believe in this message. I believe that none of us should feel alone, especially when we're traveling this road of uncertainty. We're all worthy of love and acceptance. We all matter and we all provide beauty to this world. Every single one of us. No exceptions. And no, you are not alone when you feel that gut punch, when you feel like you're falling to the floor. You're not alone in that. And no, you don't have to sail this stormy sea alone either, because together we will weather this storm. I'm grateful that I have had numerous men and women come forward and do interviews with me for this podcast to help illustrate that very sentiment for you. So no, I I don't know if thousands of people are going to hear my message or not, but even if one If one of you out there hears this and it resonates in any way, shape, or form, then I'm grateful for that too. Because you, you matter. I'm also very grateful for a shift in perspective. That one's taken me a long time to figure out and it's still kind of been a work in progress. But you see, and I've talked about this before, but when I went in for my first surgery, I can still see that room. And it's kind of been a trigger point for me for a lot of PTSD-like symptoms. I can see myself rolling in. I can see myself climbing onto the table. And I look to the side and I can see those slicing and dicing equipment over there on the side. And my heart is pounding and racing and the lights overhead. And it looks like something out of a horror film. And I don't do scary movies because they scare me. So I don't even like watching them. I sure as hell don't want to live through one. But here I was and I had to do it. And I knew I had to do it because it was ultimately about saving my life. But that still was a very scary place. And a shift in perspective was, it's not what I had to have happen to me. It's what I could have happen to me in order to lengthen my life. I could have surgery and that would increase my prognosis. I had to have radiation and chemo. I could do that because medicine had advanced and had figured out that for my specific cancer, that treatment option would have great benefits. I could do that. Not I had to do it, but these opportunities were available for me at that juncture in time to help save my life. I'm grateful for that. And back to the surgery room, I have recently been gifted a new shift in perspective, and I'm very grateful for that as well. I had somebody tell me, have you thought about that room through your daughter's eyes? And it's not that I hadn't been thinking about my children. I was thinking it in terms of, I have to live so that I can be here for them. But to take a second and shift, okay, what does that surgical room mean from my daughter's vision? And here's what I came up with. From their eyes, I could imagine them saying, you know what? That room saved my mom's life. That room, that moment was the start of healing my mom. That moment kicked off a journey that my mom took 
so that she could be here with me. I'm grateful for that room, and I'm proud of my mom and her courage to do all the scary things that she did in order to stay here with me. My mom, she must really love me to have taken care of herself in that way. I am grateful for that room, and I am grateful for my mom and her courage. That shift, holy smokes, that shift I'm grateful for because it throws everything into perspective that much more. Again, no, I sure as heck am not grateful for my cancer, but things around that boulder, what am I grateful for? I also stop and pause and think for a moment, what are these little moments that I've experienced that have followed that I'm also grateful for? And they're small, but they mean so much. For example, when my children are arguing, I'm thankful that I am here to teach them how to solve conflict. When we're doing homework or working on school projects, oh man, y'all, homework, sometimes I think we're not going to make it. I, I loved it as a kid. I know I was that kid. I dished it out as a teacher, but as a mama, a whole new ball game. I am sorry to all of my former students and their parents for homework, but it's a thing. Anyway, all joking aside, when we're struggling and we're trying to make it through and learn something new that can make your head hurt, I'm still grateful that I can be here to guide my little girls, to teach them those strategies for lifelong learning. When my kids are learning to ride their bikes and they fall off, I'm grateful for being there, for teaching them resiliency, for being able to encourage them that even though life can get hard, we'll find our feet beneath us once again, some way, somehow. Those little moments help teach that. I'm grateful for their laughs. I'm grateful for those little moments when they laugh so hard that their nose wrinkles or their smile is just so big that their eyes close. I want to freeze frame those moments forever. I am very grateful for them, for everything that has led me to that moment to soak in and breathe that unconditional love. I am very grateful for my husband. We may have had our friction at times, but I am grateful We had the courage to communicate about it, through it. I am so very grateful for his love and his support, for being there through it all, for stepping it up and supporting me and helping me heal, and for loving me no matter what. I'm grateful for all the love and support that I was shown. And I'm grateful still for the number of people, men and women alike, who stepped up, who made it known that they, they too are part of this light. And their words and their encouragement, their involvement, both with the podcast and with the community as a whole, to let the next woman who's traveling this scary, scary path, to let them feel less alone, to empower them with knowledge and to bestow an element of hope. That is compassion at its best. That is love. And in those moments, I am incredibly grateful. Whatever your boulder is that you're dealing with, whatever your storm, you don't have to appreciate that. You don't have to be grateful for it. And if somebody said that you could do things over, it's perfectly okay to say, yes, please, I don't care to have that path. 
You and I both know it doesn't work that way. But you don't have to think, oh, I'm so glad that this happened because of. No, if you hate cancer, if you hate that adversity, I sure as heck do. You don't need to say, oh, I'm so glad that I went through that. No, I'm not. But I'm grateful for things around it. Find things around your own boulder that you are grateful for as well. Because again, since gratefulness and hope take courage, when you actively look for those, you undeniably create the growth of more courage. I'd also like to take a second to remind you that none of us are immune from heartache and pain. How it manifests in our lives might be different from one person to the next. But if you are blessed enough to truly live, you're going to experience it all. In fact, Marjorie Williams says it all too well in the beloved children's book she wrote, The Velveteen Rabbit. She wrote, It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. You know what? I think that perhaps... We are all velveteen rabbits. We may be at different points in our paths of, quote, becoming real on that process, but I think that we are all those velveteen rabbits at some point in that process. Maybe you had your fur loved off in record-breaking time, or maybe the changes that happened in making you real, they happened slower for you in your journey. But each day, every day, one at a time, we become more and more real, every single one of us. And that doesn't come without its own element of heartache. Again, none of us are immune to that pain. It's part of life. And we are beautiful for it. Even if we don't always see it in that moment, we are. We are loved. We are real. We have experienced it all. Think back to that story. What is it that the Velveteen Rabbit is grateful for? And then think back to your story. What are you grateful for? It doesn't have to be the pain itself, but what is it around that that you love and appreciate very, very much? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I look forward to speaking with you guys again next week. Until then, remember that together we weather the storm. You are never alone.